Welcome back to the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast sponsored by Manscaped. This week, I'm excited to bring on somebody that I would say knows this 49ers, not just the team, but the organization very well. A guy who has donned the red and gold, a former 49ers linebacker and now NBC Sports Bay Area analyst, Mr. Takeo Spikes. Takeo, how is it going? What's going on in your world right now? Uh, you know, right now, um, I just took a break from watching some film. I'm always watching what can the 49ers do in order to have success. I'm also looking at the opposing team, which yeah. this week is the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Big time rivalry when you talk about the NFC West, which I like unbiasedly think is the best division in pro football. Period. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I I have that same argument. I mean, you look at the talent, you look at these teams, you look at what they bring. I mean, bringing in J.J. Watt to Arizona and A.J. Green, Matthew Stafford to L.A., they bring in Deshaun uh, Deshaun Jackson, that speedster. And then Seattle's always Seattle, regardless of what their record is. You know what they have um, at the helm, especially having a guy like Russell Wilson, D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. We can go on and on, and we're going to talk about that in just a bit. But uh, you're a true professional, already breaking down film, uh, analyzing the ways 49ers can get better after that game we saw in week three. But before we get to that, Takeo, we have to talk about something extremely important and uh, something that I know you are extremely proud of, and that is a Hall of Fame nomination for this former NFL linebacker, Takeo Spikes. Congratulations on that. That is huge news. I Just getting that news, where were you when you heard it? What was your initial reaction? Like, Has it felt a little real to you yet? Uh, <laughs> man, thank you, first of all. And I got to answer the question because you asked it. So I was actually, you know, I I had a burrito and I was like, let me take my time and go in here and go and sit on the throne for a second. And so I decided to put out my phone and I was scrolling and I was like, oh, shoot, it does come out today. But it was, um, trust me, the best throne movement that I ever had. Yeah, I believe that. Yes, yes. Any good news in there is always a good thing. But um, I'm definitely humbled. Um, it's, you, you know what the big thing is, Key, is what I really appreciate about it mm-hmm. is people took time, the voters took time to really look at my career not just as a snippet from Sports Center, which I had plenty of snippets, mm-hmm. but they more so looked at the why. And people can argue, well, he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. Uh, he didn't play for any championships. He didn't even play for any in the playoffs. But I think the big thing, what really stands out, what I'm hearing from voters and people who come up to me giving me congratulations yeah. is how could you play at a level for so high for so long and you always believed that it was going to get better when most of the teams that you played on didn't even have a legitimate top 15 quarterback another thing they talked about was even though you played on five teams thank god for free agency i got i got an opportunity to see what all of america looks like because of it (laughs) but the big thing was that out of the 15 years that you played, you were nominated captain 13 out of 15 wow. years. Wow. And um, and that's something that I took lightly 
when I was leaving the, leaving the game. Mm-hmm. But when I got out of it, it made me realize how important it was to have my presence around, my leadership, the direction of how I thought guys needed to be talked to. Yeah. And um, I, I tell you straight up, it's, it's, it's quite humbling and uh, definitely is one of the biggest honors to this day that I've received. Yeah, it cannot be overlooked just your NFL career. And I didn't even know that number of your 15 years playing 13 or as a captain. And I think about that because in our other podcast, our unscripted podcast, um, Jimmy Ward was my guest. And Mm -hmm. he's been with the team. He's the longest, longest tenured veteran on the team, but it's his first year being named captain. And so I asked him, you know, what did it mean to him to kind of get that honor? And to be honest, I had to like cut it down a little bit, but he had this really long pause. And when I say a long pause, like it was almost one of those uncomfortable pauses. You're like, did I ask the wrong question? Like, is everything okay? (laughs) But he just kind of took it all in. And he was just like, it's a true honor that my teammates and my coaches see me in this kind of light and you know it makes me want to play harder it makes me want to play better and and just looking at your career to and just your leadership and your play i mean it, i think it's it's exciting for us to see you know you being rewarded for your work both on and off the field so uh, but with that of those 15 years three were spent with the 49ers and I want to throw you on the spot here. I want to know what's your favorite moment in red and gold? Oh, uh, my favorite moment. Uh, I don't, I think. All right. So you talked about 13 out of 15 years, me being a captain. Mm-hmm. I would say my favorite moment was that f- the first year, I want to say Mike Nolan he used to do his captains by game performance. Mm-hmm. And I remember towards the middle part of the year, I got into a groove and I played extremely well, had over a hundred tackles, three interceptions, a couple of sacks. And, and before I knew it, I was rotated in the captain's list before the game, just going off of performance. And I would say probably the greatest memory that I had was the next year. I didn't know. You know, I didn't have any expectations because I came to a new team Uh and I knew it was Patrick Willis football team. And for me, I made it clear, like, bro, like my time is my time and I am who I am. Mm -hmm. But however I can assist you and to be nominated like unanimously, I'll never forget the day that. Uh, Mike Singletary said, you got damn near 98% of the votes. Wow. And uh, to be the captain. And that was a huge moment for me. So when you talk about Jimmy Ward, like I know exactly what was going through his mind because it's it's almost like your family only has one car and they decided to, to make the bad investment into the one car, a Lamborghini. And they're going to give you the keys and the responsibility for it. And I was like, man, if you look at me this high, I'm not going to wreck it. I'm going to stun at it, but I'm not going to wreck it. (laughs) No, but that's a, it's a fantastic analogy. Um, But you brought up a name and I feel like, you know, I'd be remiss to not bring up your teammate uh, in this conversation, but you and Patrick Willis, 
if I'm if I'm remembering this correct, you guys were known as Bam Bam and TKO. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Just you guys time on this field together. Like what? Here's the real question. What made this unit so special? This 49ers linebackers who you talk about, you ask anybody, you know, their favorite era and their favorite players. And it always draws right back to this area you guys were in. What made you guys so special? You know what? It was the, to give you the real answer, it was, I think it was, I think Pat was just, he was so at such a young age, he didn't know what he didn't know, but he was willing to find out. And if he saw somebody doing it right, he was going to do it. Mm-hmm. He was waiting for that extra leadership because it was a lot of, it was some cancer in the locker room back then. But I remember me coming and I didn't have, I knew what I brought to the table and I was very confident in my ability. But I also knew that I needed, I was at a point in my career going into my 11th year, it was more so, I'm not looking to be the guy. I'm going to be the guy anyway. That was my mindset. Mm -hmm. But I'm not looking to, hey, you need to put me up on the schedule, put me on a billboard. It was more so, let me be the piece that drives everything from an integral standpoint without any egos. And I think by me being teamed up with Patrick, I think about Justin Smith. We all know him as Cowboy, Deshaun Golson. I think that right there alone just, it did me, it fulfilled me on that side so much because I knew my role. I knew where I was needed. But I exceeded my role, but also I look at Justin, I look at Deshaun, we're talking about Patrick Willis. I knew what he needed. He knew what he needed. And for him to touch me one day and say, Spikes, I've always knew you was a baller, but we don't get a chance to see a lot of East Coast teams play because playing on the West Coast. But, man, you are everything that you were advertised and then more. Wow. And I appreciate you coming because you are exactly what I needed. Wow. Now, I thought I, it was one thing to think that, but I never knew that. But for him to say it, yeah, that's when it was like, I, I say this, Keanu, whenever you want to get the best of a bunch of people, I, I would just even go as far as saying men, and alpha men inside of a locker room, the ego has to be checked at the door. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment to where, the ego was gone and it was like, how can I help you and how can you help me? Manscaped is the official below the waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Wow. that That's just one of those incredible stories, that, which is why, you know, every week we have different guests, but I really fought because I wanted you on here, one, because we had to talk about this Hall of Fame nomination, but two, I think it comes from a different perspective when you have somebody that's been kind of in the shoes that these guys are in that were watching on the field every Sunday and and to be able to hear these stories and, and you know, coming in, not wanting your, your goal isn't to be that guy, but you've been that guy, and especially for your teammates to notice that and being an aid to them. Uh, that's what makes you being on here so special for us. So, again, thank you so much for jumping on this. But while we're talking about linebackers, I want to kind of 
I'm going to try to weave this into what's going on on the field right now. I've okay. read in certain places and, and, you know, each NFL analyst and pundits, they all have their own opinions. But I do remember going into the season, there were a lot of people who were very high on this 49ers linebacking group saying that they have the potential to be probably one of the best units in the NFL right now. So looking at Fred Warner, uh, I know you get to talk to him and analyze him a lot. I know Dre Greenlaw is out right now, but knowing how he's played in the past and 49ers will get him back. And even Aziz Alshair, there's Demetrius Flanagan, Faust, and so on and so forth. But looking at this current group of 49ers linebackers, how do you assess the way they've played? And, and is there any, not comparing the groups, because I don't want to do that, but do you notice any similarities as far as maybe the leadership or maybe as far as that hunger to play or the hunger to win? Have you noticed any of those correlations? I think the biggest correlation is um, when you look at the teams that I, I was on and you look now, I think the leadership is there. I think you have a young nucleus, which uh, this team kind of reminds me of that same team that I was on. I look at Fred Warner. I look at his ability to um, to come into this game and 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 to make his mark at such a young age. Yeah. But not just from play, but his leadership, the way that he goes out and continue to put in the work day in and day out. And it shows. He talks about it. He lives it. He breathes it. And um, I look at Javon Kenlaw. I look at Nick Bosa. You know, for me, when I look at the similarities, I think, well, our dominant guy who we had as the pass rusher was Justin Smith. The dominant guy who the 49ers have now is Nick Bosa. Yeah. And so when we look at the linebacking core from Z's, uh, you look at Dre Greenlaw, who's actually out right now. Uh, in the beginning, I would I would threaten to say to anybody, this team has a good core group of linebackers that can be stacked up against anybody in the National Football League and they can hold their own. Yeah. And I think that kind of displayed after week one with Dre Greenlaw picking the ball off, taking it back. But it's a lot of similarities. Um, but the thing that I, I really like is even though these guys have sustained a few injuries, they haven't missed a beat. And as easy as it, as it is, to be like, oh, man, here we go again with the injuries. Mm -hmm. These guys are not buying into that. Yeah. And I appreciate that because I know how hard it is from a mental capability not to allow that type of stuff to seep into your mindset. And so it truly is when I hear them say next man up mentality, mm -hmm. it is the next man up. When I hear Jimmy Ward come on after a game and say, you know what? We just didn't make the plays. It wasn't the coaching. It wasn't necessarily the cause, but we got to be able to make those plays. And, that, and that's them as players taking ownership of it. And when you take ownership, I always say this, awareness is the beginning of change. When, he, when Jimmy Ward said that, I said that young man is aware. And now he's letting all of his other teammates know, now that you are aware, now this is how we can change it. That's the reason why I look forward to seeing these guys play on Sunday. Wow. That was a perfect segue into where I wanted to go. Again, this is the You've Got Mail podcast, so we get a lot of fan questions going coming in. And all of the questions surrounded what we saw 
Sunday night football against Aaron Rodgers in prime time. We know what Aaron Rodgers is capable of. I, we, I keep saying this. We see it time and time again. But there's questions about the coverage, about the play calls, so on and so forth. I want to ask you, what did you see when watching that game? What should have been done? And how does this team avoid making any of these mistakes in the future? Because I'm knocking on wood right here. I, I'm saying this isn't the last time the 49ers see Green Bay this season. I'm talking postseason. But how do they avoid any situation like this in the future? Well, I think it's it's a little bit of both. And I, I talk about um, are you more so really uh, putting the the lens on the defensive side or just overall team? Whichever direction you want to take us. I think I start with defensively first. You know, I did a breakdown for um, for us at NBC about well, people were still saying, well, who fault is it? Man, I don't care who fault is it. It's all about the responsibility of knowing this is where it was wrong and who is going to take the responsibility that it's not going to happen again. Now, what I saw, and I'll just talk about the last drive of the game. I didn't have a problem with, with what D'Amico Ryan's call. I thought it was great calls. The, the, now, what I do have a problem with is players not understanding the situation of football. 33 seconds left, you're, you, a field goal will beat you, so now you have to defend the point of where their kicker comes in and where he's very good. That means you need to keep everything in front of you because they don't have any timeouts. I thought the calls were good, even on the plays that he completed the two balls to Devontae. Mm-hmm. One was almost tipped. Yeah. And so for me right there, and I went back and rewind, rewind the tape, and I saw the guys in that intermediate area when it comes to the secondary, the linebackers, nickelback, safeties, they did not align at the right depth at the beginning of the play. There's no need for you to align at six, seven yards at a typical play when you already know they're trying to get into field goal position. Your yeah. alignment should be 15 to 18 yards, and then you can take a few steps, drops back. That way your perspective is way bigger compared to yeah. it being condensed. Yeah. And so this is not Monday morning quarterbacking. A lot of it is due to the fact you got guys who are playing for the first time right. out there on the football field, and they haven't been in these pressure pipe situations. But now it goes back to the coaching staff and then also some of the guys who have been in those situations. Look, guys, this is what we got to do. And you have to remind guys and be calm about it and make sure everybody understands what you're doing and the purpose of why the call is called. Now, when you look on the offensive side, I would say they got to push the ball down the field. Yeah. And I know, listen, the 49ers are 2-1-1 right now. And – we have a tendency, I would say, as former players, because we want to see the guys do well, mm-hmm. we'll come in with everything that they should have done. And for the most part, we are right. But I will say this. The game last week, what Green Bay displayed, and I don't think very highly at all of Green Bay defense, but what I will say is this. If the 49ers don't come out and keep the Seattle Seahawks honest by taking advantage of one-on-one situations early and often, and I'm talking about within the first drive of the game, 
they're going to continue to play Jimmy Garoppolo the same way that the Green Bay Packers did. Yeah. Stack the box until he makes you loosen up, then that's when you feel like it's a threat. Other than that, as DBs, I'm going to sit on every intermediate route. I don't care what the down and distance is because I know they're only good at what they like to do. And it doesn't help that they did not have a running game. So who knows this week? I know Trey Sermon, he will be running back again. Uh, We may have – how, how was the injury re- report? <laughs> I'm glad you, you went that direction because I did have to want to ask you about that uh, a little later on in the podcast, but this is perfect timing. Uh, Anthony Barrow from New York wanted to know who is the 49ers starting running back, which is uh, a question in itself. But uh, right now, you, we know we have Trey Sermon who's available. Um, they have Carrion Johnson on the practice squad who can be activated again. He didn't see any touches um, on Sunday night. Uh, they also have two other players on the practice squad. But I think the biggest news and encouraging news is Elijah Mitchell, who's been dealing yes. with a shoulder injury, is a limited participant at practice. I think that's very notable, being that signs clearly are pointing in a positive direction. And I remember in that game against the Eagles uh, when Trenton Cannon – uh, the, who joined the team a couple of days prior was the lone healthy running back on the team. Elijah Mitchell was like, I'll, I'll go back in the game. I, I'll go back in. It's not a problem. But Kyle obviously wanted to err on the side of caution. But I think that's just a positive look at the severity or maybe lack, I don't want to say lack of severity, but but how to view Elijah Mitchell and his rehab and his recovery process. Um, so I will say that I think signs are pointing in a great direction with him coming back. So will that help San Francisco's run game? I think they were just limited to just 3.2 yards per carry uh, last week against Green Bay, which if you know Kyle Shanahan and how Kyle Shanahan likes to run his offense, it's predicated on the run, and that was completely eliminated. So hopefully getting Elijah Mitchell back can help uh, in that situation right there. But Takio, question for you while we're talking about, we just talked about this Green Bay loss. And 49ers dealing with injuries, um, getting some guys back. And as time progresses, you'll get guys like Dre Greenlaw back. Um, I know Maurice Hurst, uh, his practice window from IR was open. But with what we saw on Sunday, should fans lay off the panic button or are they okay to be hovering over it? What's your view? Two and one was about, about 37 seconds away from winning a game. How do you, what's your temperature on this? I think at the end of the day, if you're a 49ers fan, you have to be excited to understand before the season. Let's go back and look at it now. You saw the first three games. If you felt like you were three and go, like we're definitely going to the Super Bowl. Like no doubt. You felt like you should have beat Detroit. You know Philly was going to be tough, but it was a crap shot. But And then also looking at Green Bay, but you had the opportunity to beat them. I would say let, let's, let's pump the brakes now. Okay. I get it. Everybody is always looking at how are we trending, meaning, well, this is not what I'm used to seeing. I'm yeah. used to seeing the running game come downhill hit. And now people are not seeing that anymore. So I understand the frustration. I understand the sense of urgency. But at the end of the day, these guys are two and one. Now, when you look at going into this matchup coming up on Sunday, typically if the Seattle Seahawks defense were 
were playing how they used to or remotely even close to it, I would say the 49ers would be in deep, deep trouble right now. But that's not the case. They're playing against the worst defense in the National Football League after three weeks of rankings. And so when we see that, I see plenty of opportunity. But, Key, it goes back to what you said. This team got to run the football, and you got to run the football effectively. You can't walk up out of this game. If they're not averaging four yards or more this game, it's going to be a long day, and then the fans really have a reason to panic. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. We'll be able to make, I feel like, a better judgment on this team, especially going in this, into this divisional match against Seattle, where right now, Seattle, I was pulling up the numbers earlier today. Right now, you said they're not playing that defense that we might be used to seeing in Seattle, but ranking 32nd in total defense, I think they're about um, they're 30th in passing defense, 26 in rushing defense. I might have the last two switch, but that's not the 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 standard. I think we're used to seeing Seattle play, but I will say in years past, we have seen Seattle's their defense start off slow, and but as the year progresses, it's like a switch turns. And they play more aggressive. They're playing faster. They're playing better and cohesively together. So uh, right now, that's what it looks like with 49ers going into this game. But I had so many topics I wanted to talk to you about. And I feel like the conversation's been so fantastic that I I would probably take up your whole day. So let's do this. (laughs) I want to wrap everything up. And I want to talk about this matchup we have here on Sunday. Is there a specific matchup that Takeo Spikes is zeroing in on? What are you most excited to see on Sunday? Oh, that's a very good question. And I'm going to let me let me pull out my <laughs> let me pull out my notes right here. Okay, okay. While you get out the notes, I'm gonna drop a couple of things that I'm very interested in seeing. And I think the biggest one for me is how do the 49ers cornerbacks bounce back in week four? And you're going against guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And we know that uh, Josh Norman is dealing with that lung contusion. So his availability is still up in the air. 49ers said they're going to monitor it. He has some testing that has to come back, which will weigh a lot on what he's able to do. So you still have questions there. And I think a lot of their performance, I mean, obviously, is going to weigh on the performance of the pass rush. So I I guess I just gave you two of my answers. It's how the cornerbacks bounce back and how does this D-line get consistent pressure on Russell Wilson, which we know he, he... well, I think I remember DeForest Buckner a few years ago said he's like a no. He called Kyler Murray a squirrel, but he told, said that that Russell Wilson is he's slippery. He's hard to get a hold of. So I would say those are the matchups I'm looking forward to most. How about you? No, I, I agree, and and well, I'll flip it on the other side. Okay, I, I'm a defensive guy, and I let you take the defense, so I'll go on the offensive side because I can do both of them. <laughs> but when I look at matchups, I look at the corners. I look at DJ Reed and Trey Flowers from Seattle Seahawks being matched up against a Brandon Ayuk and also Debo Samuel. Okay. Okay. They got the worst secondary in the league, and I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks. I had the opportunity to watch all three games that they played, and what I see consistently shows up not only just from the first game, but it leaks over into the last game that they played. 
we, meaning the 49ers, have problems stopping the deep pass. Well, guess what? The Seattle Seahawks have a problem doing that as well. Hmm. Anytime the ball is in the air, to me, I think the weak link of the Seattle Seahawks defense is DJ Reed. He is continuously on highlights. Even times when he make plays, he's called for penalties. And I think we've been saying this the entire time. Like everybody's saying Jimmy G is not throwing the ball down the field. Well, you have to understand he's doing what the offense is calling him to do. But what I'm calling for something to happen is for Kyle Shanahan to say, look, Jimmy, we got to throw the football down the field in order for us to make teams start to play us honest because you got a 50% ratio when you're playing against a one-on-one coverage. 50% that he's going to catch it. Mm-hmm. And also the other 50% is now we can create a pass interference call, which I talked about a few minutes ago with DJ Reed having problems playing the ball in the air on deep ball. So I like this matchup right here. And more than anything, even if you don't connect, what it tells the defensive unit is, I know what Ken Norton has been telling us the entire week. Hey, they don't throw it deep. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you as a player, you think, man, here we go again. Like, they're not doing what we we thought that they were going to do. And so now it, it, it relies on you being able to adjust and you're playing different things outside of the norm of what you saw the entire week. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. That's going to be a fun matchup. And I, I say that because I think and I look at what Devo Samuel has been able to do in year three. He's healthy. He's more comfortable. And he's just such a dynamic piece of this offense. What now I think he's currently second in the NFL in receiving yards. Um, he's getting, I think, 70% of the 49ers target share through three weeks. And then you couple that with George Kittle. And we all know what he's capable of. And you have Brandon Ayuk, who I know people had questions going into the beginning of the year, but I think really had a nice outing last week against Green Bay. And, and everyone talks about his route running, which is bar none. So I, I I love your response to this. I think that's probably what I'm looking forward to most is how can this offense especially get started quick, get started fast and get started early because we know they've kind of had a lull in these last two matchups and could this be the week that they actually get off on the right foot uh not playing from behind as they have in uh, weeks past we shall see but with that Takio, i appreciate the time i appreciate the insight um i appreciate you just being here with us and and taking us on a little stroll down memory lane and also chatting about this current 49ers team um for everybody that is listening, you get to see Takiyo if you're not already following on social media, which you should be. But you can also check him out on NBC Sports Bay Area's pregame and postgame. You're on both, right? Yep, I'm on both. Speaking the gospel. <laughs> you can catch him speaking <laughs> the gospel and hopefully Sunday speaking about a 49ers win as they host the Seattle Seahawks. With that, Takiyo, appreciate you. And I'll let you get back to watching some film, all right? All right, Key. Good talking to you. <laughs>